Last week, Matthew and I had what I will boldly call a downright holy conversation with Dustin Ransom, during which he told us how he prefers to say he came out of instead of into the world. Came out of it like a leaf from a tree, like a tree from the soil. Yesterday, a few miles from my hometown, innocent children were murdered in yet another echoing senseless act of domestic terror, sacrifices to the relentless gaping jaws of fragile power. Meanwhile, also yesterday, I stood shadowed by giant sequoias, placed my palms on the lightning-scarred center of a tree that has stood for nearly 2,000 years, a tree that was already a seedling when the words that shaped my first 30 years were written, here still alive core-burned hollow, still nurturing leaves that press out of her hole. If I believe there is an infallible word of God, I believe it is she. Last night, I opened my eyes to find our beloved missing jack cat waiting outside my window, and I wrapped him in my arms and thought about prodigals returning. He smells like road, like leaves and discovery, like an earthen thing, like something that emerged from the soil. I spent half a lifetime believing I belonged to a world beyond this one, and perhaps that world is still waiting. Meanwhile, whatever wild is in Jack is also in me, whatever commands us to honor the soil from which we came. I am of this world, these ancient trees where I lay my palms, these cells constantly rebirthing, the leaves, the fruit they bear. I am her wounds and her tragedy, and when she bleeds, when her innocents suffer, I am of them. We are each other. The loss and the lightning scars. The connection and the unraveling. The wander and the return. May we be awake and alive to the world we are part of. May we not dismiss our own destruction. Like a leaf from a tree. Like a tree from the soil. May we be what heals. What shelters. What grows. Conversations for the Godless. I'm Matthew Blake. And I'm Karen Thurston. Welcome to Heathen. Hi, Heathens. Hi, Heathens. <laughs> heathens, it's hot and we're not doing well today. <laughs> we're, we're in San Diego, so we it's not that So bad. it's like 88 degrees. <laughs> it's it's not as bad as the, the rest of the country. Less than 60% humidity, but we're still... Yeah slightly dead yeah because we can't we are babies we, when it comes to we the can't weather. we just can't can't go we weather babies um so this this podcast i feel like we are becoming like like the second thing that we do now is is like talk music which is <laughs> appropriate all appropriate things considered. It totally we were, makes sense we were going to get there eventually yeah but this is it's great because we've had some fantastic musicians on the show and that's what we have today is another one. Um, so, hi, Dustin Ransom. Welcome to Heathen. Hi, you hi. two. We're Good so glad you. that you're here with us. Yes. Uh, well, here. digitally here, we're doing the, the long distance <laughs> thing. You are in Nashville, correct? Yes. 
So we're yeah. complaining about our 80 degree weather, but you know, you're probably <laughs> well above that. Yeah. It, it sometimes it's a furnace sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> with soup, a soup furnace. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, so you came our way via a former guest, Derek Webb. Yeah. Um, he introduced us and said, you guys got to talk to this guy. And we were like, well, of course, if Derek suggests it, we're going to do it. So here we are. <laughs> and um, you were kind enough to share with us uh, your new album that is not yeah. out yet. When, when it, Frontiers is the name of it. When does that come out? Yes. Yeah, so at the risk of not keeping this podcast evergreen, it <laughs> comes out August 16th, 2019. So for those of you who are listening in another year than this, it already came out. So we're, all, we're all squared it's away. Already there. Everyone's yeah. favorite album that's been out for a year. <laughs> yeah. For those in the year 2030 who have found Heathen Podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Awesome. Uh, yeah. So... Um, what we like to do on the show is have our guests introduce themselves. Uh, this is so that you get to uh, let folks know whatever parts of yourself right off the bat that you would like to um, like for them to know and, and be who you want to be on this thing and that sort of thing. Sure. So would you do us the honor of letting us know about Dustin Ransom? Yes. Uh, so my name is Dustin Ransom. My full name is Dustin Ray Ransom. Watch wow. out. Uh, I am a human being, and uh, out of that humanness, I do a lot of different things. I play music, I write, I talk about this type of stuff, uh, read incessantly, and (laughs) (laughs) I'm also uh, a dad and a husband and, oh man, a brother and a son and all sorts of fun things. A friend, I hope. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that's that's a that's a concise portrait. That's beautiful. I like it. How old are your kids? My, I have one son. He mm-hmm. is almost seven months old. Oh, nice. wow. he's new. He's new. Yeah. Oh, I love he's, that. he's just gorgeous. Good that's lord, that's great. That's a good time. Yeah. How's your? Are you sleeping at all ever? Oh yes, he's he's good. a champ. He sleeps about twelve hours a night. So. Nice. Yes. Oh, you got Jackpot. a good one. Keep yeah, it. it's a miracle situation. That's a winner. <laughs> You've done well. Don't tell anyone. They get very Yeah, good. oh, I, knew, I get, get yeah, I have to be careful because there's been, not, not anyone's actually gotten mad, but it's like, yeah, my son hadn't slept in five years. Uh-huh, <laughs> exactly. You get kicked right, out of well. like the parent circle and like, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, we're successful. Sorry, yeah, didn't mean anything by it. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Well, congratulations. Thank well you. Done. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> My wife did most of the work, but you know, uh, you I know. am. It's all good. Yeah. Yes. Awesome. Nice. <laughs> so. Yes. Where, where should we begin? Yeah. Shall we start at the very beginning? Let's so, let let's let you uh, let's let you pick, uh, Dustin. So you know, let's um, let's hear a little bit about your upbringing, like what that was like, especially in terms of spiritual uh, structures that you may have been a part of, religious structures you may have been a part of, and yeah. um, where you come from. Yeah. So I I was born in Evansville, Indiana. Uh, we know Evansville. Raised in a small town just outside of Evansville, Indiana, called Boonville, Indiana, probably about eight thousand, nine thousand people. 
Boonville is an exceptionally great name. <laughs> I, I hear that a lot from folks. <laughs> and I know what you mean when you say it's an exceptionally great name. <laughs> it's just, I mean, I want to set 12 different novels in Boonville. That's oh, yeah. 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 It's great. Yeah. It's beautiful. So I was, that's where I was born and raised. I lived there until I moved to Nashville, uh, oh man, 15 years ago or 14 years ago, excuse me. Um, and so it's interesting, you know, I, when I have these conversations with folks, especially individuals who were raised in any sort of particular religious environment, but especially in America, which is predominantly Protestant and Catholic mm-hmm. Christian. Um, it's interesting that the the take that I have on it because I wasn't raised in the church. I wasn't raised mm-hmm. any sort of religious background. Hmm. Um, my my parents, to be, to the best of my knowledge, my my mom may believe in some sort of pseudo Christian thing that mm-hmm. she kind of just keeps to herself. Um, my dad, uh, his family was. Uh, really, some of his family members were really uh, like excruciatingly involved in Jehovah's mm-hmm. Witnesses. Oh, wow. And so, you know, but neither of them practiced anything. Um, they, you know, the closest that we got to anything like that was like, you know, Jesus Christ was something you said if you slammed your hand in a door. <laughs> you know? So, uh-huh. I, I, or, or you know, we we took after the the Jesus fish episode of Seinfeld and just kind of poke fun at you know mm. religious nuts <laughs> and when stuff would when James Dobson would come on the news, it'd be like, all right, <laughs> this yeah, guy's a, yeah this guy's a fun. this guy's a crackpot. No, but yeah, I yeah. mean, not I I don't mean to judge, but. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, we judge, we judge Dobson. We judge Dobson. <laughs> um, well, so I, I, I didn't, I didn't have any sort of directive in that, in that arena, um, really at all. Hmm. And what's interesting being, I don't even want to say on the other side of it. I mean, it's, it's just a thing. Um, what's been interesting is that I look back at that and there's a part of me, oddly enough, that almost wishes in some way that, that my parents had been more apt to sort of instill some sense of greater identity into me, um, only because of the fact that I, and I'm not saying that I want to, I'm not saying that I'm wishing that I had some sort of crazy fundamentalist upbringing, but Mm -hmm. what I am saying is that you know, my parents worked really hard and they, they really did the best they could with me. And we had a lot of wonderful times together and all of that. But I think something that I often found lacking and I look back at now and something that I've struggled with going forward was truly this sense of identity, Hmm. period. And I think my parents in both of their own stories had been so hurt by uh, particular types of fundamentalist religion or had watched their family members just kind of go off the deep end with it to them. It was like, (laughs) no way. Mm. And so, you know, for me, it was this, I was just kind of whatever you, whatever you wanted me to be at the moment. Mm. However, I, I needed to be in order to get through 
life. But what was interesting was that I also felt this sense in me when, you know, uh, let's, let's say, let's say, I mean, I'll use real life examples. I had a friend that I, that I met when I was in junior high school who was kind of this bigger, larger, intimidating guy that Mm -hmm. I, (laughs) you know, I, I, I was sort of attracted to the, 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 drama that he enveloped in a sense. I was this scrawny kid with, you know, glasses and, you know, I mean, it was, and I, and I mean this as lovingly as I possibly can, but if you had turned to the dictionary and looked up the word virginity, you would have seen my phone. (laughs) So I, (laughs) so, you know, it was like, I just wanted, I wanted friends. And, you know, I speak about this in some of my records where, I always had this sense of sort of like inner innocence and purity and connectivity and so on and so forth. But, you know, growing up in a very white conservative town, talking about these deep esoteric, ethereal, spiritual ish things were kind of like, well, it sounds like you need to get over to the church and talk to the pastor like that. That's what we would hear or I would have heard, you know. So I, I had a very, vivid experience where I was standing on a, so I was in marching band naturally. And (laughs) I was was standing on a, on the football field waiting to go on to perform. And all of a sudden this conversation broke out about religion and so on and so forth. And I mean, you know, we're high school kids and we're just kind of shooting the shit as much as we can. And somebody, somebody was talking about like, uh, Oh man, you know, I, I believe in hell. You know, I believe in heaven, hell, man. You know, I believe in all that stuff, you know, and I yeah. think, you know, I think if people are going to go there, if, you know, if they don't believe in certain things and the, the natural, uh, like activist, everybody gets a chance. Part of me kind mm-hmm. of railed up in that moment and, and went, God damn it. There is no God. There's no heaven or hell. You're born and you live and you die and you go away and that's it. Hmm. And at the time, it didn't seem like meaninglessness or, you know, uh, nihilistic or whatever you want to call it. It was just sort of like, well, I'm present and I'm here and that's that. Yeah. So, but I distinctly remember after, you know, saying that and I had these friends that I was in contact with in high school who were very involved in in a local church youth group that that sense of wanting to belong to a, a a group to belong to something larger than just little ego me mm-hmm. you know it came out and it was like well these guys are fun to be around they're not pressuring me into believing something it was just hey man you know if you're interested in this stuff go buy a bible go read the gospel of john if you want to come to our thing on sunday come that was it mm-hmm. so you know, I went home and I read the Gospel of John, and I had never read anything like that before. And it was like, oh, okay. I mean, I didn't know much about Jesus or anything like that. And it was like, yeah. all right, I'll give this a shot. Right. And so I went and what, what was what yeah. was just sorry? What was that like to encounter the gospel at that age without like already having built up some knowledge about the world and how it works? Yeah, and then and then getting the story because I I'm genuinely cur- curious because obviously I don't I don't know that <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know so this this is a well, we can talk about this later on but I think I look because I have a very very vivid moment of of reading that I mean what the room looked like what time of night it was like eleven thirty at night in my bedroom mm. 
And I, re- I distinctly remember um, having this very human experience reading these this version of the life of Jesus and going, damn, man, like this guy went through some shit. Mm. Yeah. And it had nothing to do with I need to believe in him in a certain way. I need to resonate with him in a certain way to belong. It was just, wow, man, good gosh. This guy was standing up for something that I, I at the time really couldn't put a finger on, which was, mm. oh, okay, yeah, treat other people kindly and mm. treat yourself kindly and be, and be generous with other people. That was like the purity of it. Where it mm. got sideways was when I went to the church and I would hear my youth pastor say stuff like, um, we need to just go put a giant metal wall around Israel and drop atomic bombs on all the mm-hmm. other countries outside of it, and then we'd be mm-hmm. fine. Or, or um, we need to, rather than sending, uh, uh, rather than sending uh, uh, retroviral drugs to Africa to help combat HIV/AIDS, we just mm-hmm. need to send those people a million pairs of pants. Mm. Wow. So. I mean, churches, man, we love them. That is, that's, great. That's a form of abstinence education that I've not, yeah, <laughs> not heard well, of I before. Am, I am continuously yeah. confounded by the American church's ability to just identify itself with Israel and be like, oh yeah, same. And I'm like, how? Yeah, have you been like? Mm. I mean, at this this point, it's pretty easy. You've got two of the most militarized countries. Israel is the most militarized country in the planet. It's like, brothers in arms, let's go for this. Yeah. I think that's what they think we have. Yeah. So it's a mess. Yeah. So, wow. Fun church. Yeah. So, yeah, it was it was interesting. Right before I I got on here, I was thinking about this one moment. Uh, let me think about this. It, it had to have been only maybe a month and a half that I had been going to this church. And they had, uh, you know, every Sunday night they would have uh, a youth group meeting. But this one was a particularly special one because rather than being in the youth room studying the Bible, we went down to the sanctuary, which was this big, beautiful room. And we watched, um, God, I laugh about this now, but I look <laughs> back a bit like it's truly horrifying. We watched... One of do you all know who Kent Hovind is? Do you know this guy? He no. was this wacko, uh, young Earth creationist guy who who okay. denied all science. Literally, he put out some sort of he he went to jail for like tax evasion and fraud and all this stuff. Hmm. Uh, cool. But yeah, but he he like he was the type of guy who he literally went on like Christian airwaves and said, I will make a, I will hedge a bet for $250,000 that someone can prove to me that uh, actual full-on evolution is real. Hmm. And wow. that, that, yeah, just, just, I, I, prove it to me. If you can prove yeah. it to me, I'll give you this money, because the Bible says otherwise. And, I mean, and he had all these crazy-ass facts to back up this stuff. You know, he believed that dinosaurs right. died 4,000 years ago and that humans right. were riding them. And, you know, he even, built, he, even built a, he even built a theme park called Dinosaur World. And I think the slogan was like, uh, where the dinosaurs and the Bible meet. 
you know, and <laughs> I mean, so there are but, no transitional fossils. And yeah, here we no, are. no, the, no, these, these were just, these were just planted by the liberal new age media. So, right. yeah. Yeah. So, uh, they, but they've would, got the time and resources to be out there. Uh, like, absolutely. You know, <laughs> putting bones well, in the someone air. had to do yeah, it, yeah. you know. Sweetheart, I'm going to go away for a week. I got a bag of fake plastic fossils. <laughs> I just need to bury him for about a week. Now, you take care of the kids, sweetheart. Okay, I'll be back. Yeah. So okay, we'll be back. It, it, was, it was something. And, you know, again, I had never experienced anything like that. And mm. th- that, that, like I mentioned, that kind of sense of innocence was there where it was like, I really want to believe the best in this stuff. Yeah. I really want to see the what's behind all this. And so for me, it was like the first time that I ever felt, um, courageous enough to even warrant having my, my own set of beliefs about stuff mm-hmm. other than just like Mario is awesome and Legos are awesome. And mm-hmm. I love playing music, you know? Mm-hmm. And it was like, okay, great. I've got some semblance of something greater than myself. But then it was interesting because in the back of my head, for all of that stuff. For instance, this is a great example. So that church was one that was, it was a, it was a uh, general Baptist church and it was a classic, you know, women aren't allowed to preach and women can't speak in the pulpit and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, in the back of my head, in my, like deep in my core, I was like, this is bullshit. Like what's, what's the, what's the damn difference? It's just, it's just words on a plate. It doesn't matter. Jeez. But you know, it was like, Oh God, I don't want to get um, lambasted by my youth pastor. So I would Mm -hmm. say stuff that it was like, I'm trying to convince myself that I believe these things. Mm -hmm. And so I started dating a girl who was a little bit more open-minded about this stuff, who was still in that conservative Christian circle, but she was like, fuck no, I don't believe that. I don't care what the Bible says. Like, that's not true mm. at all. And so here I was, I was stuck at a deeper level of that back at that crossroads of identity, which is, Oh God. So I'm, I have this belief now and who am I going to go with? Who am I, mm. who, who, uh, if one of these two parties reject me, which one is going to hurt less? If that mm. makes sense. Yeah. And uh, who knows? Because I, time just kind of worked itself out where, I left that church and that girl broke up with me and Mm -hmm. it just sort of like left the door open for it where I went, Oh, okay. Well, I don't really believe that. So, and it was those types of things that as, as I got more courageous in tapping into that thing, the doors started to slowly come back open where it was, I don't know about this. Mm -hmm. I really don't. I don't see any, uh, any tangible justification for what these beliefs are or why people would want to instill them uh, in others or hold them themselves, because it seems pretty limiting to me. Yeah. And so that just carried on and on and on and on for years with different scenarios and, and so on and so forth. And I think the biggest crux finally hit when my younger sister who I have, I have one sister who's two years younger than I am. Um, had sort of a crisis of faith and she, and she announced to folks that she was an atheist and it Mm -hmm. broke my heart at the time because she and I had connected so deeply on so many things around faith and religion and that type of spirituality that when she left, it was like, Oh shit, how am I going to connect with her? Because in, 
in my experience growing up, there were just as many fundamentalist atheists as there were fundamentalist Christians. It was mm-hmm. the same hatred. It was just mm. labeled differently. It was, mm. you guys are fucking idiots because you believe in God, which you could easily turn it around and say, you guys are fucking idiots because you don't believe in God. Yeah. It's the same. I don't really care what the label is. So it was scary to engage with folks that had gone wherever they were with this stuff because there was so much like, I'm holding on to this thing tight, and damn it, mm-hmm. if you come up against me, it's pow, there it is. Yeah. Yeah. Like I was scared to have open, meaningful conversations about this type of stuff for a long time. Hmm. But the more that I dug into it for myself, and again, opening, reopening those doors of courage, I got to go, well, wait a minute. So if I don't like the labels and I don't like hating on people and I don't like it when people hate on others for having these beliefs, then why am I so, why am I so tied to these things? Hmm. And where it all started to coalesce and make a lot more sense was, and feel free to interject, please, by the way. Oh, no. Um, yeah, we will. Uh, where it started to make a lot more sense for me was about three years ago, I got into 12-step recovery for numerous things. Mm-hmm. And one of the tenets in 12-step, in healthy 12-step programs is um, God as you understand God or higher power as you understand mm-hmm. higher power. Yes. And what I started to notice was that these people who came from all sorts of different backgrounds, ethnically, nationalities, um, religious backgrounds or no religious background, we came into these rooms and we were all talking about the same thing. We're all Mm -hmm. talking about grief and suffering and wholeness and um, uh, dysfunction and addiction and whatever these things were. And everything else behind that was just kind of like fairy dust floating off in the sky. Higher Mm -hmm. power got to be whatever worked for me at the moment, whatever worked for them at the moment. And so you know, it just, it, it truly started, it was, it was not why I went. I wasn't going looking for some sort of, um, uh, religious inclusiveness or spiritual inclusiveness. It was just, I've got some issues and I know this has been really helpful for many people and let's try it. And so it just started to, again, it was like, oh my God. So this Jewish person or this transsexual person or this person who's an atheist, or whatever they want to call themselves, uh, they're saying things that I resonate with deeply. And when I speak mm-hmm. with these people on a one-on-one basis, I go, "Holy crap, you lived my story!" But you mm-hmm. don't believe you don't you don't carry the same label that I carry. Different name, right? And so we get deeper into it, and the healthiest people that I know in these programs go, "Man, it's just a label. That's all it is. It's just a label. Yeah. It's it's the idea. It's the idea of." Uh, if you can imagine people trying to uh, fight over the best spot on the signpost next to the path, as opposed to guys, just get off the damn signpost. Here's the path. And you all get, to, you get to fit on there. You all get, <laughs> we all get our place there. And so if someone wants to call themselves, whatever, call themselves, whatever, if it works, that's fine for me personally. I don't like those labels yeah. because in one way or another, they're limiting the, the, one of my favorite authors who is a, like a, I don't know, he, he would call himself a, a spiritual a perennialist, um, mm-hmm. would talk about how um, all religions are of human origin 
Um, none are true, none are false, just like languages aren't true, aren't false. Some of them are used to, um, and I'm paraphrasing, but um, some of them we can better understand than others. But in matters of that, it's better to be multilingual than to only speak one language. But truly, at the bottom of that, the best type of language is silence. Hmm. And that's it. Yeah, I love that so much. Yeah. So then I just get to be with you all, and I'm not living out of this old thing of, I mean, this, this, and if you all grew up in these fundamentalist conservative church environments, religious environments, literally you, you probably experienced what I would experience, which was, um, let's say I'm going to a counselor and, uh, the first thing that would pop in my mind is now, I wonder if they're a Christian counselor. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh! You don't know. Absolutely. You didn't know. Is well, you, go ahead. You wouldn't. You wouldn't get there. Like I wouldn't get. I, I would. I would vet them first. I would only consider Christian counselors. <laughs> right. Well, and I, I left. I left a Christian counselor because he wasn't the right kind of Christian counselor for me. Right? Like <laughs> you have the wrong Jesus. Sir. Yeah. Right. He was trying. To, he was trying to make me feel less guilty about masturbation. Oh, and that oh, just yeah. wasn't okay. So um, more I, I had to. I had, had more to shame, sir. I had this exact same experience. I went to a counselor mm-hmm. who I don't know if he was a Christian or not. He kind of alluded to that, but I had been struggling with, with all not, you know what I mean. It was just that that thing that that mm-hmm. rub, no pun intended, and uh, <laughs> and he was like, "What's wrong with masturbation? It's just a natural part of your your biology. It's a way that you're going to express yourself." <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah. And I went, no man, it's a sin. If my girlfriend finds out, she's going to break up with me, and it's just going to be awful. kills a kitten. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some, yeah. It's it's wild, but mm. it's man. How how incredibly liberating is it to get beyond um, the labels? And I don't mean mm. in the sense that I don't believe or I do believe or what have you. I don't care about that. What I yes. care about is this right here. Right, yeah. I'm yep. here with you both. There's no judgment. There's no expectation other than to just have a conversation about whatever we want to talk about. And and the only work that I have left to do in this is to not say I need to be whole, but it is I have always been whole. And then out of that, what comes? Mm. And we, I, I would say we often have this uh, type of amnesia around that wholeness. I think I'm going to need something outside of me. Uh, to complete me. Now, I don't mean in the sense that uh, I don't need oxygen to live or I don't need food to live as well. What I mean is if I don't align myself with this thing, I'm going to go down. Right. Uh, if this person doesn't think the way that I think, then I'm I'm done for or they're done for. Right. It's more about right. me than anything. It's the fear. Mm-hmm. Right. So the work that I have left to do is to say, you know, my wife and I don't necessarily hold the same beliefs, but for me to go you need to change. Well, that's the same bullshit that I grew up with in these churches, which is yeah. my beliefs are better than your beliefs, even if my beliefs are, are this many. You know? Right. Yep. Yeah. It's this it's the same thing just disguised and relabeled and repurposed. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. It's beautiful. I find this to be the hardest thing actually to to communicate when I'm talking to my friends and family who are still in conservative Christian settings. It is the hardest thing to convince them uh, that I am not bothered by the fact that they believe what they believe. Like, that I'm not 
like it is it is almost impossible to make that conversation land of like I my believing what I believe is not at at you like mm-hmm. I'm not I am yeah. not it's not at you it's not at you <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> I, absolutely him right yeah. and like I can say what I want about like your thing and this that I think we you know we call up problems in bad religion all of the time sure. and we will continue to do that at the same time I can say you know what if that's working for you right now and you're like doing no harm have at it yeah. you know right. do your thing and that's fine and whatever lens you need to use whatever story gets you close to whatever that thing is that we're all trying to get close to go for it you know just yeah. try not to take others down exactly yeah. while you're doing it yeah it's I, I think about like the the power of the label you know and when you when you are finally able to peel it off uh, and it's like you reading the gospel of John, you know, without, without the, the preconceptions or whatever the, the, and that, that's very hard and very rare for me to be able to take in anything specifically Christian or specifically from, from that type of spirituality in my upbringing and be sure. able to experience it fresh or experience it label less, if you will. Yeah. But, but in the few moments, um, when I do and when I can, it can be like the, t- it can have the type of power to, like transform my, you know, my, my inner workings and in the, the way that it was intended to, the way that it should have all along. Um, and I, I wish I had more access to that. And, you know, it's obviously a thing I'm working on, but, sure. um, but it's, it, it's just so hard. The, the power of the label is <laughs> far reaching and long lasting. I yeah. think about like this word he, heathen that we've chosen for this, um, these conversations, um, you know, I, I picked it because it, for me, it was all about the leaving of the thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, he, he then is indicative of having put something behind you that you used to, you know, believe or buy into or whatever. Right. And, um, and, and sometimes I even think about that and, and, and how even that's a little limiting sometimes. So we, I mean, we try to be super open with the, with the way we sure de- yeah. define heathen, but um, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. These labels you got to label it something. You can't leave a big yeah. space. You have to have a website. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can't, you can't just, ha- it can't be like the Prince symbol. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. This is a podcast formerly known as heathen. Yeah. From now on, yeah. Everyone we're going label list. What shows? Yeah. Yeah. What shows URL? just think it just imagine it just try to go there with your mind yeah. we're all about the, the, the secret um but that's the thing like the the problem is with these with the labels with these uh, i call it fragile power structures that we have mm. like the, the structural integrity of the label of christianity is dependent on my needing the label to thrive yeah. so if i'm if i'm rejecting the label even if i don't care if other people reject the label my doing that is offensive to the core of the yeah, thing because sure. it's built around this idea that it has to be the only viable way yeah and i remember being in that space where it was it, it felt like a personal attack if totally. someone didn't believe in god yeah yeah <laughs> oh, <laughs> man. or had an affair or right. divorced <laughs> or like right. any, any number of things my friend got drunk at a party and i cried oh yeah like <laughs> my, my friends got got fake ids and went to a club and in college and i was like How what could have you, you right <laughs> I'm struggling with your sin. Oh yeah. This is this, that, and that, I, can I, okay, we're tangenting now. But, oh my God. The freedom of not having to be concerned with other people's lives oh. and actions is still my favorite thing. So Just, good. Yep. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, to not man, just I'm not wounded. I don't care what y'all do. Yeah, have at it. I'm not. I'm not responsible for anybody else's life in that sense. No, I'm responsible for my helpless seven month old. But that's right, a different right. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. What you do with your life is none of my business. Right. It's not. Yeah. If you want to share it with me, sure. But it's not mine to manage. It's not mine to control. It's not mine to tell you what to do. Doesn't mean that I may not I may not see eye to eye with you on certain things, but so what? So what? As long as you're not create as as Matthew, I think you said it a second ago, or maybe both of you said it in one way or another, as long as it's not creating collateral damage and taking down with you, fine. 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 But yeah, if it does become self-destructive or again externally destructive, then it's like Hey man, I love you to death, right, right. but I think your opiate addiction is kind of getting out of control. Yeah, right? I can't change sure. it, but I love you, and I'm just telling you, I feel really sad when I see you high all the time. Right. That's different than you're a sinner and you need to change. Yeah, no, people don't want people don't want directives. People want empathy. People want understanding. People want them to meet yeah. them where they are in the present. I want, <clears throat> I want someone to hold space with me rather than mm-hmm. hold my hand or force my hand into their hand and say, I know what's best for you. Here yeah. it is. And this is the crux of fundamentalist thinking. It's not even just religious thinking. This can be social, economic, political, ethically, Absolutely. anything. It does not, it, religion can just be the easy whipping boy sometimes, but we see this in our politics. We see it in nationalism. We see it in the way that mm-hmm. we treat other people of uh, skin colors or of different genders or uh, sexual orientations, what have you. I, no, 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 ma'am. No, sir. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's absolutely. Yeah. And it's just, it's that relentless. And that's exactly. And this is, this is the gospel for me. Like now, this is the good news. The good news is that whatever God is in my definition is big enough for all of these different labels and cultural views yeah. and different things to kind of all have different pieces and everybody have a different story and, and God is big enough to contain all of that and yeah. probably to expand it, you know, cause you know, infinitely creative creator would have infinite presentations. Mm. This seems logical to right. me. And that's always been the problem. For the, the, the limitedness of things has always felt very human to me and not quite so divine. Just this yeah. idea of like, there's one right way and we happen to be the special people. Yeah. It's out. Like, what a, how convenient. Yeah, that how convenient. <laughs> but you know, it's interesting because I think there are people 5,000 miles away that also say the same thing. So what's right. that about? <laughs> and God also, also happens to uniquely favor them, oh. which is, you know, shocking. But I mean, just, and I love, but that to me, like, if you want to talk about good news, like that's good news. That's yeah. good news to me. Like, guess what? It's okay. It's okay. And it can be okay. And like, as long as we're not the shame is the thing that that I feel like needs to continuously be shut down. It's yeah. just this the, the shame weapon. Yep. I, I don't have a lot of patience for that nope. in any context. Absolutely. Political, religious, you name it. Yep. Yeah. You don't need it. It doesn't do anyone a lick of good. Nope. The shaming. Not at all. Not at all. Yeah, but it it, it is it's like the primary. Oh yeah. Tool of the, like of the way. yeah of the. It's the way we keep. It, it is the structural integrity of the thing, right? Like, right. So much. It's. It's. We. It. You said earlier, Karen. Uh, it only. It only exists because I believe it, or because I need it, right? Mm-hmm. And and that's the thing that makes us need it. The shame is is what makes us. Right. Um, 
need to cling to that structure so that we still have a home, still have a, a place and a people um, and a family to right. call our own. There's a, so. there's a, I don't know if you all are familiar with um, John Bradshaw. He was a very famous uh, lecturer and uh, mysticism, uh, myst, uh, mystic and uh, did a lot of work around psychology. And he was, a, had a doctorate in, in all, in all this type of stuff in a work, but he would say, there, there, there is a, there's a brand of shame. He would call it healthy shame and he would label it as it's the type of shame that keeps you from going to the grocery store naked. Motivates you to, it, yeah. it motivates me to not act like an idiot in public, right, right, but right, right. really what that turns into is just more of like, I'm holding my integrity, but he would say mm-hmm. anything past that point is absolutely destructive. Yeah. He wrote entire entire books and theses and gave decades worth of lectures on shame that talks about this very thing, toxic shame. And he, he was, he went to school as a, I think he went to go as a, as a uh, study as a priest and then got out because of all the crap Mm. and then turned into, went into healing work. He he was kind of like a forerunner to Brene Brown or someone like that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the same, it's the same thing you see across the board, which is, uh, there is inherently something messed up with you and we have the solution, but we're also going to infect you with the problem. So it's mm-hmm. the essential, it's the, it's not the essential, it's the equivalent of, uh, selling water to someone by a river. Right. Right. Hmm. You're screwed. I've got the yeah. solution. And then you go, what is all this over here? What is yeah. this? I, yeah. I, what are you trying to tell yes. me? <laughs> well, and I mean, we could stop picking on religion and we can take on like the fitness industry, which is, you know, going to be oh, a yeah. place, I'm sure. But it's the same thing. Like you can, you can, I mean, we've been using body shaming as the currency to motivate people toward purchasing fitness paraphernalia yeah. for ages and we're just now starting to see a cultural swing where we push back against this and there's like this sort of a little bit of an awakening moment of like oh you don't have to make people feel like shit in order to get them to take care of themselves you can actually motivate them with a sense of belonging instead of a sense of shame and like you can come at this from a different place and for me uh yeah we talk a lot about integrity Um, but like integrity for me, when I was operating from a more fundamentalist viewpoint was sort of meaningless. Like integrity was just me doing the right thing because God said it was the right thing to do. So I had to do it. And now that I am responsible for my own moral compass, I am responsible for my own ethic. It's personal and it belongs Mm. to me. Mm. And I find that it matters to me a lot more. It's not something my parents told me to do. You know, it's something that I've, I've deeply considered and Mm. want to live into because it is part of my identity. It's part of my belonging. It's part of who I want to be in the world yeah um, this, this explains so much about the world that we live in right now when, <laughs> when i think about how how genuinely like a lot of you know folks believe they are 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 acting from a place of integrity when when they're compelled to you know f- family separation at the border and things like this like 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 folks genuinely believe like I, no, I'm 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 in my integrity in this decision, right? Right. Um, right. And that and and that your Duty. explanation there, yeah, kind of, yeah. because it's not it's not a personal, like, earned morality in that in that case. At right. least again, speaking from my own experience coming out of that, it was, there was nothing about that that 
that was personal or earned. Wholeness, <laughs> another yeah, instance. wholeness is not attained. Mm, wholeness yeah. is not yeah. attained. Wholeness is or, wholeness or granted, is existence. Yeah. Period. Mm-hmm. I came into. Let me let me rephrase that. I was about to say I came into the world. I've I recently had a turnaround with that, which is I came out of the world in the sense mm-hmm. that leaves come out of a tree and a tree comes mm-hmm. out of the ground. I came mm-hmm. out of this world in that I'm connected to it, just like I'm connected mm-hmm. to the two of you. If I say yeah. I came into this world, then I can justify like that, that by saying, well, I'm an alien from an outside source and I came down here okay. and I get to make do with whatever's around. So I get to, uh, I get to, I get to look at the world as a place to conquer, <laughs> to conquer. It's a conquest, right? right? And right. If, if I'm not getting what I want, and when I say I, it means little ego I, then I can mm-hmm. find a scapegoat to keep me from getting that. So if I'm afraid of losing my job, rather than saying, man, I'm really scared of losing my job, it's I think these brown people across the border are going to take my job if they get over this border. So I'm going to yeah. put my politics over here in this arena that says these people need to stay away from me because they're the threat. They're the threat, as opposed to being able to, one, stay present, two, experience those feelings, and three, not blame anybody for them or for those other people doing what they want to do, because there's no blame. There's no blame. Mm. And sometimes people say things that, like, just reframe a Bible thing for me, hardcore, and, like, that I am of the world thing. Like, I just love that. Like, I feel like you just made that a little holy for me. Like, I am am of the world. world. Like, I came... I came out of the world. I I, I am of it, How do you, and yeah. therefore, and I love I love that. I want a T-shirt. Yeah, yeah. I, I, mean, I think like you know people that there are certain. I don't wanna, I don't want to say people. Pe- people are people, and we all have the capability of of reawakening to that wholeness. So yes, when there's been talk, there's a lot of talk in, in a lot of, uh, spiritual existential circles about being connected to each other and being connected to the world. And sometimes that can start to sound a little, uh, again, esoteric, like some new age mumble jumble. But when I get up in the morning and I go out on my back deck and I sit and I drink water and I journal, the trees that are in my backyard provide oxygen for my lungs. Mm. And I end up breathing Uh, carbon dioxide out, which in turn helps that cycle continue. Those trees are supplemented by good soil, by the elements, rain, uh, sunlight, the atmosphere, so on and so forth. And then it just expands. So everything Mm -hmm. in that sense literally keeps the other alive. Right. If I forget that, and if, if I forget that folks that look differently than I do or believe differently than I do or came from a different background, religious or not, than I do, then it starts the whole cycle over again, which is, I've got this figured out. You don't. Let me show you the, uh, the answer. Let me, let me awaken right. you to this thing when, what's the point? It's not my job. Mm. Oh, God, I love that. Do you mind if I steal that theme from you and write about it a little bit? Because I might have to. Well, I stole it from a bunch of folks, so you can just okay, just great. keep on just, passing it down. Just pass it along; it'll be great. <laughs> yeah, I got like twelve poems in a song. I'm ready. I know. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm <laughs> Jesus, super inspired right now. It's so beautiful. Great. Yeah. Speaking of writing, let's talk about your music. I do want to talk about. The hey, music. look hey. at that transitions. <laughs> it's me. Um. So. 
When did music start to factor into your life? Uh, when in all of this, like, were you doing music when you were in Churchland? Were you? How, how did we get here? So I started. Uh, so okay. So when I was uh, three, my my parents, um, like maybe they bought it before I was born, but I my my first memories of this were when I was three years old. So my parents had bought the original Nintendo Entertainment System, <laughs> Mario Brothers, and all that yeah. stuff. Yeah. Right? Okay. So I was so good at those games. I mean, mm-hmm. like advanced coordination that when I was. <laughs> Three and a half or four, my parents uh, had me compete in a Super Mario Brothers three competition. That was being put on. Oh, and I came in. Yeah, I came in fourth out of a room of like thirty three year old. Wow. Yeah, and I actually still have. I have like a library in uh, in my studio, like in a, it's a read a little reading nook, and I keep my NEFs and those games up on the top shelf. It's just a nice little reminder. Nice. So, but my mom was like, "Man, his coordination is so good. Like, I mm-hmm. wonder what he would do, how he would fare on a musical instrument. How could we use this beyond Super Mario? Yeah, right, right. <laughs> and so, uh, so I she enrolled me in piano lessons when I was three, and I took piano lessons for almost twenty years. Wow. And so out of all that, um, I, I was just, I was just naturally drawn to it. My, my dad was a huge, is a huge Elvis Presley fan. And he Mm -hmm. set me in front of the TV and we would watch, uh, Elvis's, uh, Aloha from Hawaii special. And Mm -hmm. Elvis's drummer in the seventies was this guy named Ron Tutt, who was just a monster drummer. And I was just so enthralled watching this guy with, he had shoulder length hair and a beard. He was doing this stuff, but it was just, it was unbelievable. (laughs) And I went, I want to do that. So, you know, I spent years building little drum sets out of buckets and pans and stuff and playing with pencils and whatever. And my parents finally bought me a a little starter drum set when I was eight. I taught myself for a little while and then I started taking lessons and then years passed. And then I, I was still studying incessantly uh and ended up going to uh belmont university here in nashville and studying Mm -hmm. drums and percussion awesome that's my that's my that's what i have a degree in uh Mm -hmm. and then i when i was in uh uh early junior high i my dad i asked my dad to show me we had some cheap guitars laying around and he showed me like five or six basic chords that he knew and i already knew how to read music and everything and so i just kind of applied what i knew to the i guess eight or nine years i've been taking piano to mm-hmm. guitar and bass, and it just whoosh, opened up from there. Mm-hmm. So I play all these things, and I make a living doing it, and I love to do it. That's so yeah, great. It's better to speak many languages than one. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> Ta-da! There it is. That's usually what I say, too. My reading. It. <laughs> yeah, I, I I browsed your. I guess it's your credits on your on your website. You, I mean, you, yeah, you've played with everybody. Like oh. <laughs> you've got quite the repertoire. Um, I so on on the new album Frontiers right that's the name of the album on the new album there was this song that got me this, this, it just really jumped out at me um wow what is it Don't, uh what what they're missing what what they're missing yeah right? uh-huh that that song I freaking loved and I just wanted Thank to you. I wanted to talk about that one a little bit cuz these lyrics so oh. we we actually uh 
Karen and I both uh, lead music at a church here in San yeah. Diego. It's, yeah. it's a, you know, I read that. That's, that's yeah. incredible. You, 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 unicorn church. Yeah. We, yeah. we, we, yeah. Yeah, we, we got a lot going on, but, um, <laughs> but I was like, I was, I was listening to this song and I was like, Oh my gosh, this yeah, song is like, this is for our community actually. Oh. And so, um, I mean, I just, these lyrics are, so I'm, I'm just going to read some of them if I can sure. and we can talk about the song, but, um, it gets so hard when the people you, you love don't know how to handle this freedom you found. Yeah. I used to feel so shameful, even though I was an innocent man. Ugh, I cried. <laughs> oh. uh, and then uh, and then this part. I'm not going to point any fingers. They did the best they could do, but that doesn't mean I owe them anything just because they don't know how to handle this love, don't know what to do with this freedom that, that I've found. Yeah. That, like, ooh, like for me, that's, I feel like that's the place if I'm not moving into it yet, like it's the place I want to be in so badly. Sure. Right. Like we, we've been doing the, the construction work. And uh, when this podcast first started, it was a lot of, I mean, I'll be honest, like it's a little bit of, it was just a, a big bitch vent session for me. Right. To like get out some of this, <laughs> I just need to get this negative shit out. And, yeah. um, and we've, we've, you know, been moving, through all of it and, uh, and, you know, talking about the reconstruction and, and what is, what does life look like on the flip side? But this is the piece, this is the piece for me that I feel like is not that it's the last piece in the puzzle and then there, and then there's wholeness. That's not the the metaphor I guess I want to go with, but it does feel significant. It feels like a a big milestone in the journey to be able to sit Mm. and sit in all of it, right? Sit in all of your history uh, and all of the, the messages that, that you were fed and, and <laughs> force fed in some cases sure. and just be like, I'm not going to hold them accountable for not see even that language is kind of, kind of wrong. Um, Re- oh, well, it's, the, it's this. Yeah. Responsible. Yeah. 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 They yeah. did the best they could do yeah. like that, that, that line right there just does a lot for me because I think about my, you know, my sweet parents, my beautiful family, um, we, we all fucked up in so many ways. They certainly fucked up in some ways raising me, but man, um, given the context and the framework of what they were brought up in and, and the world that they had to, had to navigate themselves, like, yes. gosh, they did the best they could do. Yes. Uh, and, and the people in my church were doing the best they could do. And there yeah. was not mal- malicious, um, intent and, and, for the most part, folks weren't even aware of the the systems and the power structures that they were serving, right? Like, it's just the world that we were all in. Sorry, I'm just over here going, love, forgive them for their right. own yeah. Yeah. yeah, Thank you. So, yes, so you brought it, exactly, that is, that's the thing that came to me. And this is, I mentioned earlier, like, those those very brief moments when I am able to kind of, like, reassimilate something from the Christian spirituality that I was raised in yes. like that for sure came up as I was listening to this song and thinking about all these things. I was like, forgive them for they know not what they do. And yep. like for the first time I heard that in just this new way in this mm. new light. And, mm. and, um, uh, I don't know. Where did this song come from? I freaking love this. Oh song. man. Well, I'm honored. <laughs> I, I, I remember, well, I have a very distinct memory of mixing that song and almost crying because it, it, I, there, there are certain songs in my, in my, on my records that, I mean, I remember writing and I, you know, they, they are what they are. That one was one where, I mean, I went through it and it was just like, Oh my God, this, there's, there's something in this that is really, uh, it's beyond me. Um, thank you for sharing all that. I'm honored. Um, well, and to, I guess to segue into what my response to your question, you've both 
kind of alluded to this, and Matthew, I think you just said it even more blatantly. You know, I I have, I would say, and hear this for what it is, I believe in Jesus more now mm. than I did mm-hmm. when I would label myself a Christian because yeah. my belief in Jesus is not something that comes from a sense of duty or obligation. Mm-hmm. I find these moments in my life where I, I've had that exact same moment where it's father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Or I am the father. I, I and the father are one. I'm connected to all things. Yeah. Um, you know, is it not written in your scriptures? that says ye are gods. So why mm. do you stone me for blasphemy when I'm simply just telling you what you are as well? Well, I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but yeah. it's, it's that type of thing where when the, Trauma and the shame is removed from mm. doing deep inner work. People often, I used to think this, I don't want to say people, I certainly did this, which was if I can just read these books, then I will be okay. If mm. I can just believe this thing, I will be okay. If yeah. I can just go to these meetings, I will be okay, and on and on and on. And it was always this illusion of when I get over here, then I've attained it. And I've had some very, very kind, loving, patient people, mentors in my life say, dude, you've done more work, inner work, than most people do their entire lives. Mm. I just wish you could see that you're already whole. You're already Mm. awakened. Yeah. You're enough. That's it. Yeah, baby. So, and what's what's beautiful about this, and I was thinking about this earlier. I've been stewing on this conversation today for a while, for a few weeks now. (laughs) Something about wholeness that I think may get, that may get kind of, uh, it's gotten it's gotten kind of twisted up for me is that sometimes that that old egotistical way of thinking that I need to attain something can come up when I say, oh, I'm whole, therefore I don't need to do anything. Mm-hmm. Well, that's crap. Everything around me, the entire universe, is creativity in and of itself. It is constantly mm-hmm. recapitulating itself. My when I say um, we talk about like uh, we have bodies uh, as opposed to like I am a body, like I yeah. technically am growing my fingernails right now. <laughs> I'm not consciously doing this, but right. my, this body is creating these things, right? Yeah. Uh, my body is creating blood cells at all times. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. inherently creative. So yeah. when it comes to that song, I mean, on a surface since it's 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 meant to be like a letter of encouragement to my wife and speaking to her to me about dealing with you know friends or family members or whoever who may not uh know what to do when we set boundaries with them or when mm-hmm. we say hey i'm not really comfortable talking about xyz whatever mm-hmm. maybe but on a deeper level especially with the that second verse that you mentioned it came you know those lines uh yeah, I used to feel so shameful even though I was an innocent man. Um, that that goes all the way back to what I was talking about at the beginning of that sense of I have no identity, and therefore if I have no identity, then anything that I latch on to um, is only fleeting and it's never going to be good enough. Therefore, I'm mm-hmm. not good enough. Yeah. And so it was, which, you know, I something that that happens a lot of times in small communities and i mean i think this is just it's it's especially more rampant now with the onset of social media and technology which is 
um, this constant monitoring of what our perceptions are that other people think about us. So one thing that I would hear often growing up in my little hometown was, uh, you don't want people to think you're stupid. You don't want Hmm. people to think this way about you. So my entire identity was built on trying to manage the perceptions that people had of me, which in and of itself mm-hmm. is a perception, mm-hmm. which becomes insanity. It becomes My, inception. It, it, <laughs> perception inception. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And totally. I lived with that for years. I still, it still pops up every once in a while. Mm-hmm. If I do this thing, is my wife going to leave me? If I, if I say this thing, is someone going to be mad at me? Not oh. in the sense of like trying to say something hateful or horrible. Mm-hmm. What's up? <laughs> we're, we're wondering about your Enneagram number now. Oh, <laughs> so. Well, so, well, so, okay, we'll take a side tangent to the Enneagram stuff here in a bit. I hear Nashville. <laughs> here's what I learned this week. I learned that Nashville is all about the Enneagram. It, it, people hear really Enneagram up. Oh, my God, and I did too. So mm-hmm. I'll, I'll get to that here in a second. So it was this sense of, yeah, I need to I need to live up to what everybody else thinks. and But then I get angry at them because I'm, I'm constantly um, – how, how do I, this is, this is the best way I can think about this. It's like, I will put someone on a pedestal because I believe that they've got the answers, but then I get mad for them being on the pedestal. And therefore I try to knock them down when I put them up there in the first place. Hmm. <laughs> so yep. you want to get into the Enneagram stuff. So here's my journey with that stuff. And here's where I've landed. I thought at first I was a three, then I was a one, then I was a four, and then I was an eight with a seven. All right. So so, I can't relate to that at all. Yeah. So <laughs> quite honestly, I so my my take with the Enneagram now is um, when people say, oh, I'm just so happy I found my identity. I'm a four. I go, you're no way. Uh-uh. Dangerous. Dangerous territory here. Because yeah. <clears throat> first of all, the whole thing is set up to be interconnected. Yep. Thank you. Just <laughs> points of resonance. Right? Yes. So, I mean, the last, the last, like the the most transparent. I have been when it came to an Enneagram test. I scored perfectly on an eight, a four, and a one. All of yeah. them. Mm-hmm. And I've had people say, You see, I mean, you seem really eight-ish. You seem really eight with a seven-ish. Because I have this really goofy sense of humor, but I'm not necessarily an, uh, an optimist or a positivist all the time. I've had to work mm-hmm. on being an optimist in that sense. Right. But uh, I mean, look. I guess where I've landed with the Enneagram, it goes back to the same thing with the signpost metaphor that I had earlier, which is clinging to this thing, wanting to be right, wanting to define myself by whatever number I think I resonate with most is just as much of a label and as confining as anything. Yeah. Because right. if I say I'm an eight with a seven, but then I go outside and I'm deeply moved by nature, I go, well, I guess I'm a four now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is- I, this is where I, I get real rant. Okay, I'm going to keep this to a two-minute rant about the Enneagram. But the point of the Enneagram is to transcend the Enneagram. So when people, when people have done a lot of personal internal work already, you should be more than one number. Mm-hmm. You should. I always say, like, I like to explain it to people as it's nine different toolkits. Yeah. And what you're figuring out when you take the test is which default toolkit you use the most as a child. Yeah, like right. which one you were like, these are my tools for getting love. But once you know what all the toolkits are, 
You can practice using the different tools. You can explore, you can grow, you can identify when you're using your default toolbox and be like, oh, I'm doing my default thing again. And now you know about it. And so it's not like this is how you identify. It's just like, oh, now I know. Now I know I use these tools. Now I know that there are other tools. Now I can mix and match and play and become them all. So that was was less than two minutes. I did it. Yeah, Uh, Yeah, I can go around the whole circle and go, yep, 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 yep. yep." And, And I would do the exact same thing I did with religion, which was, oh God, you know, I don't, oh, I, I, I think I'm an eight, but you know, yeah, there's sometimes when I really want to, I, I really uh, just enjoy reading for reading and I don't feel stressed because eights technically go to five. Right. Yeah, I, you know, yeah, fives yeah. are, I mean, this is a stereotyping, but it's a very mental, uh, very cerebral type of thing. And I mm-hmm. go, mm, what the fuck is wrong with that? <laughs> What's yeah. wrong with that? And, no. Or, or if I if I feel anxious, then I'm a six. Give me a break. Yeah. No, no. It you 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 nailed it, Karen. You were, it's it's there to transcend. Thank you, I rant about this a lot. What? I'm working on my eight this year, hence the ranting. So, <laughs> <laughs> this yeah, my, yeah. This is my year of eight. I'm yeah, challenging all yeah. the things. But I, I mean, it is one of those things that I be, I think becomes useless if you look at it as this is what I am and will always be. But is useful to say I have been a three. That is how I have been functioning. I've been using three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and now sure. I can identify that and work my way out. Right. And it's like, oh, okay, this is useful. Yeah. But. Yep. And to, to be able to identify like the, the the healthy strategies versus the maybe the you know the in stress, the unhealthy like that. Right. Yeah, it's it's all very helpful. But yes, um, not not if we're boxing ourselves in and and even even this yeah. And this will be my last little thing in the rant too. Even <laughs> even those labels about I go here in integration and I go here in stress. Well, I th- kind of think that's bullshit too. Mm-hmm. Not not to say that that doesn't happen for some folks, but here's a great uh-huh. example. So I have a pretty sizable library of books that I love to read. And I've heard certain eights talk about they find comfort when they read. They like to collect Mm -hmm. information. It helps them feel safe and so on and so forth. Well, if I start to pathologize myself as anytime I want to go read, I'm stressed and stress is bad. I need to stop reading. Well, then I am literally doing myself in from getting to a place where I've kind of come back to wholeness. Right, mm-hmm. I've yeah. I've come back to center. I'm not lost yeah. out here floating around in the universe looking for something to bring me back to center. It's oh right, right here it is. Mm-hmm. I, I I yes, it, it is a beautiful, <laughs> wonderful tool, and I I've just I've learned that again. It can be as with anything. It can be a a direct gateway into healing. It can yes. be a direct gateway into more labeling and right. more yeah. constriction. I don't have yeah. and more shame. I love and that more shame. as with anything. I led, but that's exactly true of all of these things. Like that that I think if there it's the both and yes. <laughs> freaking yeah. where like all of these things can be used for good or evil. Right. And that's that's where that's where it's like what is what is it what is the thing for you that like helps you feel like the whole healthy person that you need to be or that you know you are? Right. Like what what puts you in that space, headspace, heart space, whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. Um, and for some people that's, yeah. I mean, for, I, I, I'm, I had the flip kind of experience with the eight cause that's, you know, my, you know, if we're going to say my number, that was, that's my yeah. number. But I, but I look back on my twenties and I, uh, spent and, and, and part of this just came from the fact that I read the diagram wrong the first time I looked at it and I thought that the uh str- the eight moved to two in stress. Oh which yeah. Is actually the Enneagram says that's actually where you move in, in health. In health. Yeah. Um but I spent most of my twenties as like a, a really 
it, just in really unhealthy codependence and um oh, oh and, man and, and, deep, and deep shame and and so yeah so i read <laughs> yeah right so i read that as as like oh like yeah that was just me moving you know that was just me in my 20s in a in a place of shame and stress and and so that's why i did that and then i was like and somebody corrected me one day and i was like that can't be right because the enneagrams <laughs> so um yeah it's just it's it's a matter of for me it was looking at the the traits of the aid and being like oh like these things that i've been told to be ashamed of my whole life the 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 Sense of justice, uh, you know, the, 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 yeah, the sense of justice for sure. But then also like the way you pursue it and the, and just the passion that you bring to it. Yeah. I was always, I was always muted, you know, like yeah. that was the thing. I was always too loud, too, oh, man. too, uh, aggressive, too many things for people. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I was like, oh, so like, that's where I, that's where the Enneagram for me, like helped me peel back some of those layers of shame. Like, no, that is just a thing. Like, like that's not good or bad. It's just like a facet of a personality that I can lean into and use for good or bad. But, um. Yeah, that yeah, that thing so, of being yeah. told you're too loud, you're too much, you're too annoying, you're too boisterous, you're too whatever it is. I mean, it's it's too much. It's it you're too much. Yeah. Which mm-hmm. which is hysterical because to say it's it's kind of contradictory. To say you're too much implies that uh you are not allowed to be whole. You actually need to be really screwed up. Yeah. yeah. You need to be over here in this little box. Uh. You know? Yeah, try to be less than so you don't scare other people. And (laughs) it's like, well, it's not about you. That doesn't mean that, again, I don't need to like run (laughs) raging rampant around and just say whatever the hell I want because it comes out of my mouth. But that's not the point. It's just no one wants to be told that. So, yes, anyway, Enneagram rant. Did I I answer (laughs) your question about the song? Uh, I mean, I think this is all been <laughs> about that. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I want to, I, I've touched on it, but I almost, I almost feel like I've done you a disservice because I really wanted to like go specific with that and to lead there to it. I mean, which I can, if you'd like, please, yeah. I, I, if, I mean, there, if there's more to say about there, it, please. Yeah, there, there actually, there really is. I, I, it was, so a lot of that song in many ways is sort of a, a uh, reflection of the inner work and the recovery work that I've done mm-hmm. because so much of what that song is speaking about, especially in those pre-choruses with the people don't know how to handle this and this yeah. and that, is literally saying, when I set boundaries for myself, I'm actually cultivating more compassion. But what I was taught growing up is you just need to placate to everybody else's bullshit and therefore, yeah. you're compassionate because you're not hurting people's feelings, quote unquote, which oh. which gave me this false sense of I have control over your emotions, right? Yes. If, if I, but then I would get so angry at the fact that someone had told me that you're responsible for my emotions. Not literally saying that; it's just the mm-hmm. way that they behave. Yeah. I go fuck you. I'm not stepping on this crap anymore. I'm not walking yeah. on these shells anymore. No way. But then if that's all you know how to do to survive, I mean, Matthew, you, you kind of alluded to this earlier about the way that there's no need to uh, hold someone responsible for things that may have happened because God only knows my parents and their grand, their parents and their parents grew up in just, you know, awful and intense situations and there's a beautiful uh, metaphor in the recovery program that I'm in that talks about this very thing where you envision yourself in like this open field and you see this line of people, thousands of people in a single row 
and if the closer you get, you realize they're all passing down this this gift box. It's like a wrapped mm-hmm. present. And you're standing at the end of the line, and you look back and you see your parents there at the end of the line, but they're little kids. They're children. Mm-hmm. And their parents are handing them the box. All of a sudden, you look, and then there are your parents as full-grown adults, and they hand mm-hmm. you the box. Mm-hmm. And that box is that continual dysfunction and shame. Mm-hmm. And they had no control over. It was just whew, passed down. Because my parents and their mm-hmm. grandparents aren't the originators of it. And the work is to go, I so appreciate what you're trying to do, but I can't take the box. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm going to lay the box down. I'm going to go out here and I'm going to explore this big open field and I'm going to make my own way. And that's it. Yeah. That's wholeness. It's spaciousness. Mm. It holds things. Wholeness is not some concrete block that is impermanent. Wholeness is kind of like jello. It envelops things. (laughs) It allows things in. It gives space for things to be as they are. I give myself, my true self, the space to be what I am. I give you Mm. to the space to be who you are. I, Mm. I work on giving my wife to be to have the space that she needs to have. And that can be really hard in intimate relationships because yeah. we want to keep our bills paid and, you know, raise the baby rights and all this stuff. Yeah. Back off. It's all good. Yeah. Your wholeness is in the way of my Yeah, wholeness. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Your hole's in the way of my hole. <laughs> hey. hey! Yeah, relationships are fun. Yeah, it's a good time. We love them. Anyway, yes. So there it is. Yes, that's that's what that song. That's the crux of it. Thank you that's so much. Yeah, I, yeah. Mm. Thanks for the song and the explanation. That's yeah. really beautiful. Of course. Thank you. Everything's changing around us while we learn how to be who we are. It's better than ever before, my love Even if some folks don't like our change of heart They may not understand us They may not like what they see It gets so hard when the people you love Don't know how to handle this, don't know to do with this freedom you found so let me tell you now i will love you if they don't know how to see you as you are they don't know what they're missing i will love you if they don't know how to see inside your heart they don't know what they're missing at to feel so shameful even though I was an innocent man playing the part of the victim of life I was slipping on through someone else's hands I'm not gonna point any fingers
just so curious because I, I really, the things that we're talking about are are so valuable and meaningful to me. Mm-hmm. And I'm just, I'm curious to hear if there's anything mm-hmm. that we've been talking about that you two want to elaborate on even more. Because yes, mm-hmm. I know I'm the guest, mm-hmm. but as was mentioned, this is a conversation. And I'm just more of like, yeah. I'm more of a sponge at this point than the, the mm-hmm. mouthpiece. So, I mean, I'm, I'm just curious. I, I'm, I'm curious to know what's, yeah. what's coming up for the two of you. Well, for sure, this the idea of um, the amnesia of wholeness is. I'm going to be chewing on that for a minute, and just the idea that we are we're born whole. We come, we're we come out of. How did you say? Um, it? Uh, not come into the world. the world. We come out of the world. Mm-hmm. I'm finding it really compelling these days. Thinking about, yeah, I didn't I, I didn't come from some far off place, and also I I don't I don't know that I was just like one day manifested or one day like. You know, my consciousness may have one day like woken up or whatever, right. but um, I'm just really compelled by the idea that we are of the same material. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and, and and always have been, you know, and, and always right. will be. Um, I don't know. I, I, for me, I, I'm, I'm really going to be chewing on that for a minute, mm. I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think we both went real poetic on this. We're just like, we just want to write things. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, for me, I've been, I've been in some conversations this week just around the gospel, just some, some cute internet conversations. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Fun conservative family. And just, in, it's funny, someone said to me, uh, you know, like, you and I have very differing opinions of what the gospel is. And I was like, well, that is true (laughs) that is true but that's what i love what i love about this and what i love about your perspective and just this conversation is like this just preaches to me you know like this that this what saved god for me uh, when i when i was losing god when god felt so fragile was this pattern and was this just wholeness of of really just like all of these stories belonging and overlapping. And I love that the jello metaphor of just like all of these things, just kind of sinking in and becoming incorporated and, and not threatening the thing. Like, you know, it's, it's, it, it is, it is its own thing. And I think every time we have a guest, we get kind of a different metaphor for that same story. And I, I love that because that to me says, okay, there's some sort of when, all of us who are who are going digging, who are being archaeologists of whatever this spirituality thing is that we're trying to suss out and, and save. And, and I don't know, it's like an autopsy, but we're hoping it's alive in there, you know? It's yeah. <laughs> like digging in there, like, we're going to find a beaten heart under here somewhere. But I feel like we're all, we all butt into the same thing. Like we all kind of come up against sort of these same patterns and the, the repetition. And that's so endlessly beautiful to me. Like it just never stops being... I get awe and wondery about it in a way that I, I don't think I ever did when I was just, you know, doing my duty under the label. Yeah. That was never, yeah. that was never, I, I was moved. I was moved by worship music and I yeah. was moved by different things and I had these emotive experiences, but I didn't have these experiences of just like profound God, it's beautiful yeah. the way that this all works and and the way that there's, the spaciousness, you know, that expansive, open, kadosh, 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 rabeli thing, you know, just this whoosh, holy, holy space. And um, 
I don't know. I love that. So I just thank you. Thank you for, for being here and sharing your perspective oh, man, and, of course. and and adding to that. Cause I just, I feel like the privilege that we have getting to do this is yeah. we just get this mosaic of metaphor. Mm, totally. And it's, I don't, I don't even know what to, I don't know what to do with it. It's oh, just yeah. great. For sure. This, like these conversations and this work is, is the, for me and my experience, uh, I just, I haven't had a whole lot of success with like one-on-one individual therapy, Sure, <laughs> but this, this kind of like getting this, the snapshots and the, um, you know, Matt Hex, this, you know, popping mm-hmm. out of the same planet, um, from so many different people and all the different experiences for me has, it's, it's moved me in ways that, uh, you know, I don't know, a, a lot of other things that I've tried just haven't, haven't There's, worked for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's, Oh, that's fabulous. I'm, I'm thinking now about, so you're talking about the internet, cute internet conversations with family and everything, man. Um, and then thinking, thinking back to, um, just our discussion around, uh, how people take it personally, you know, our, the freedom, the freedom that I've found, um, you know, folks take that and, and, and don't know what to do with it. And, uh, for my part, I have done so much just pulling out and pulling away. And in some instances, um, I don't feel great saying this, but in some instances, just cutting Mm -hmm. off folks, um, that, you know, some folks probably did need to be cut off and cut out uh, of my, my life. Um, uh, the, for the, for the toxicity levels, (laughs) but, um, but also I probably have done, I've probably gone beyond um, the threshold of what I really needed in that, in some of that space. Mm. And right now I'm thinking about it a lot because I'm getting married in two, oh, three congratulations. months. Um, yeah, real soon. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Um, <laughs> uh, and, um, and I'm thinking about the, I mean, there's just, I do, I do a lot of this, like, <laughs> so speaking of therapy, I do a lot of talking about my family on this thing <laughs> without, without, without their consent. And sometimes I have to go back in and, and cut it out. And this might be one of those times, but whatever, we'll have the conversation. And if I yeah. cut it out later, I cut it out. But, um, uh, you know, I, I, I didn't, it, it didn't even occur to me to invite my grandparents to the wedding. Um, I, I, I'm marrying a man, uh, um, and and it's Under- you know that's just not not going to go down with my family very well. Most of my family very well. So, um, but my my, my mama, call her mama, um, wrote me a birthday card this year that was different from any. Actually, you know what? Let me just grab it. Okay. It's right, it's right over there. I haven't heard this story, so now I'm really <laughs> braced, like I'm going to cry. I feel like it's coming. Um, yeah. Damn it. Real cute, cute internet conversation, cute card conversation. Um, I actually haven't read this in a couple of weeks, so hopefully, I probably will. I'm totally gonna have to cut this out of the <laughs> out of the uh, the podcast. But this is this can be just for us. Um, I remember so many sweet things about you growing up. Uh, when you were so little, and we'd take you home with us to Old Fort, which is the little town they lived in. You would come in and sit on my lap between meetings. While your mom played the piano, this is at church. Um, how long ago, but sweet memories. You were loved and always in our prayers. And um, for years, my, my grandparents don't miss birthdays, right? Like, they, they just, it's part of how they love. And, um, uh, but for years, the, the cards are, have been 
And maybe it's been perspective. Maybe it's just been the place I've been in, but I've read them as judgment and I've read them as um, the, the, praying for you, the praying for you line. <laughs> Most Usually that was the yeah. crux of it. Like that was the thing. Like we're, we're, you know, we're always praying for you. We're always, you know, and there's always a Bible verse. This one didn't even have a Bible verse in it. <laughs> um, so there is, there is a shift. There is a change in this one for sure. Uh, and and I, just, I, I read that this year and I was just like, Wow, like this is the this is the piece that we were talking about. That um, I'm not going to hold them responsible. I'm not going to point the finger. Um, and I'm and I'm thinking about my mama, who I love deeply and and always have, but just couldn't figure out how to do my life and then not uh, feel like I was just a massive disappointment in so many ways to to them. Um, and so it was like, I, you know, I literally moved across the country. My folks are all back in North Carolina and, um, and just, just, just to make it easier to, to live, uh, to move through the world. And, um, and it's not that there's been like estrangement or animosity. Like uh, when I, I go home and visit, we, you know, but, but it's just, it's relegated to those specific times. Um, and, and, and I've, I've always felt like when I go home, I'm, pushing pause a little bit on who I am and, and my own growth or whatever. And I'm just going to be, I'm going to reflect back what I need to reflect back and be who I need to be in that space to feel safe and, and all those things. Mm-hmm. And, um, man, I don't know. I just read this card this year and I was like, I, I, I gotta do, I gotta do something <laughs> with, with this. Um, uh, especially coming up on the wedding, uh, you know, I, I, I don't even know if it's, if it's something that they would want to be there for, because again, like ultimately when it comes down to it, they're going to say homosexuality is a sin and you know, we can't, can't support it. Um, kind of thing. But that's my, my mama's, you know, in her last chapters of life. Right. And, and that's what she's thinking about. She's remembering those sweet times when I would sit on her lap in between meetings at church and like, that's what's important to her right now. Mm. And, um, man, it just feels like it should be way more important to me too. Um, so I don't know this, this song, this conversation that we're having, uh, I don't know. It's all, this is all, this is all it's stewing for me right now. It's just a really, uh, a lot going on. <laughs> I think sorry to, to, to oh. do my to do my therapy thing on the podcast. Oh, fine, I haven't cried but, yet. Um, it's good. I think your tears are proof that it is important to you. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. This is the work, though. This is uh, this is what. Um, I mean, I'd rather be doing this than than any of the numbing and any of the stuff I used to do to cope and, and just get by um, <clears throat> in past years. Uh, this this all feels so much more whole. Yeah, <laughs> feels so much more alive and so much more whole. This is this is the whole experience, right? Yes. And and wholeness doesn't mean um, entirely positive, right? Like right. whole means all of it. It's 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 we we feel the pain and we feel the uh, the joy and the tears, you know. Uh, yeah. So yeah. I saw it written in family blood and the blood that was born before. You push everything further down till it covers up the whole damn floor. 
You get swept aside for speaking your mind about the hell you went through. I used to be in it till I found my way to these miles and miles of truth. I used to go where I thought I was safe, where I didn't have to build a wall. Where fathers don't tell the sons that they wish they'd never been born at all. And then a poison brain came pounding our pain and killed all I knew. Another sign just to point me home to these miles and miles of truth. idea of like wholeness is not the end of the work it's just i am whole and now we now we begin right yeah what comes out of that right now what do we make what do we yes it's gorgeous awesome <sighs> man thank you so so much yeah for this conversation oh, this, uh, this is my whole day oh you two are wonderful this has been fantastic <laughs> this is great yeah, thank and, you. And I, I would this do is... this. I would talk to the two of you without being on a podcast. Like, <laughs> wow, that's the nicest thing. That is. It's just national oh, people are so gosh darn nice. <laughs> <laughs> You're so nice. Well, no, well, we. I think that I think that the Lord hath spoken to us and, and said we should go to Nashville. So when we do that, we'll have to look you up and hopefully, oh, hopefully we can go grab a beer and hang out, or grab a fantastic. coffee, or grab a cupcake, or whatever y'all have yeah, in Nashville. Yeah. And do the thing. So. Um, I forgot to ask you at the outset. Can yeah. we use some of your music in in the podcast? Just oh, just some little snippets. Great, so people can get a get a sense of it, and then hopefully go go find you. Which is now what I want you to do is share where folks can find you. Yeah, where and, they find you. Yeah, where so, they get your music. Yeah. So the the main places you can find me are my website, which is dustinransom.com. and the the only honestly the only real social media thing that i use is instagram which my instagram handle is at dustin ransom music and um you can also sign up if you go to my website you can sign up for my newsletter which is appropriately titled the ransom note and uh, useful <laughs> I, I saw and, that pop up that was clever yeah marketing and uh yeah, that that is that's kind of the portal into like all the special things. I give those folks things. I try to give those thing those folks things that I don't normally put out to everybody else. Um, mm. And then all my music is on all the big digital uh, platforms: Spotify, Apple Music, Tidal, Deezer, Google Play, everything. So, yeah, awesome. yeah. And then yeah. actually, I'll, I'll with this new record, I'm printing vinyl for the first time. So I'll have hey, that yeah. physical stuff. Yeah. Great. We're sitting right you next to my, hold it in your my hands. player. So. It is right here. Um, great. And Frontiers comes out again when? August 16th. August 16th in the year 2019. Year 2019. <laughs> the year of our Lord 2019. <laughs> and when it does, ugh, go listen to the song. Um, I've already forgotten what it's called again. What They're Missing. Thank you. And um, also, listeners, even listeners, uh, just go right now to the show notes uh, because the links to all of these things, uh, Dustin's Instagram and website, it's all going to be in the show notes. So click on them right now. Go do the follow right now while you're thinking about it. Right now. And um, do it. 
<laughs> and I'm I'm like 98% sure that by the time this episode airs, I will have thrown an I Am Of The World t-shirt into the haberdashery. Excellent. So feel free to swing on by and hold me accountable to that. So I feel like we just need it. We need it. So we, have an, we have an ever-growing collection of t-shirts in our little merch store that are all just, you know, phrases that have come up in oh, these conversations. So, yeah, it's, it's great. I love that one. Awesome. Thank you. All right, Dustin, thank you so, so much. Yeah, thank you. This has been fabulous yeah, okay. thank you yes.